You're listening to another sermon podcast presented by Chelsea Presbyterian Church. Located in Chelsea, Alabama, we value community, fellowship, and love for people from all walks of life. For more information, find us online at www.chelseaprez.org or check us out on Facebook. We are right in the middle of a sermon series through the names of God. As we've said before, these names are... Um, opportunities to get to know God in a more nuanced way. Maybe you're like me, most of your life you had this vague notion of who God is. But God is very specific about who He is in the Bible and very specific about how He wants you to trust Him and the, the relationship that He wants to get to know you. Uh, today's the name that we're going to do today, uh, Jehovah Nisi. Lord is our banner, which also can be talked about in terms of our defender and our protector, is perfect for what we're celebrating today with little Henry's baptism and also Sam's birthday. Our church has been, we got a lot of them out today, but our church has been blessed with a lot of little ones. And uh, when we, they're precious. It's just a beautiful thing to have them a part of our church. But we also know that little children are almost completely defenseless when it comes to the ways of the world. And, and that's why God gave them parents and, and communities and church communities surround them like that. But today, we're going to be reminded that we are more defenseless than we think, but we also have a loving and powerful Father that will go to the ultimate lengths to fight for His children. So let's look at our, our uh, text for the day and discuss Jehovah Nisi, the God who defends. Uh, and as always, if you have your Bible, you can turn um, to this passage that we have, but for your convenience, we also have it in the order of worship. And that is Exodus 17, 8 through 15. It says this, Then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. So Moses said to Joshua, Choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I'm going to stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Moses did as, I mean, Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek, while Moses and Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Whenever Moses held up his hand, the Israelites prevailed. And when he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary, and so they put a, put a stone under him and set him up on it. And while Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and one on the other. So his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. Then the, Moses, uh, the Lord said to Moses, Write this as a memorial in a book, and recite it in the ears of Joshua, and I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar, and he called the name of it the Lord is my banner. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father God, uh, help us to see what, for a few moments here, what you would have us to see from Scripture. And may we learn to love you, love others, and love life more through the sermon today. Now they all say, uh, amen, uh, they all say that we all have a flight or fight mentality. And all my life, I've had a fight mentality. Now, this is not because I've been mean or that I had that much courage. I mean, it's more practical than that. I mean, have you seen my body? 
How far do you think I would get from writing from danger? <laughs> but also, I've always loved to box. This is just something that we kind of picked up when we were younger. My brothers and I would get boxing gloves for Christmas. And our friends would all come over. And our trampoline would serve as both a wrestling mat, but also a boxing ring. We had two rules, no hitting below the belt, obviously. The other one was no hitting in the ears, because if you've ever been hit in the ears, you know it rings your bell and could cause permanent damage. But other than that, we would beat the stew out of each other. And that was just our friends. <laughs> but also, also, I got in a lot of fights as a young man. Uh, part of it was because my school was just made of a bunch of rough and rowdy farm boys. I mean, that just happens. But looking back, the number one reason that I fought is when I saw bullies picking on someone. To this day, I cannot stand that. And I get that from my, my family. My mom and dad are the same way. We've always been the underdog. Uh, it might be just because I've been an Arkansas fan all my life. Uh, so we're always the underdog. So I always know how it feels. But all humor aside, this is the context that we're about to see in relation to the name of God today. We're going to look at three points, and those points are in the bulletin. We're going to talk about the attack. We're going to talk about the strategy. And then we're going to talk about the banner. What does that even mean? So let's look at the attack. Uh, Roman number number one, the attack. Uh, when Amalek fought, well, um, sorry, when Amalek came, then Amalek came and they fought with Israel at Rephidim. So immediately we see it's an action-packed story. It starts with this warring tribe named the Amalekites attacking the Israelites, God's people. And when you read the story, it happens all of a sudden. Kind of like guerrilla warfare, where these guys kind of come out of the woodwork here. And along the way, as they're, they're leaving, uh, they're attacked by the Amalekites, and they are a powerful, warlike group of nomads. That's who they are. Here's the other thing. To make matters worse, the Israelites were not prepared. I mean, for those of you that know the story, when Israel faced the Amalekites in the Battle of Rephidim, they didn't even have a force at all or an experienced army, or commanders. Israel was just a bunch of goat herders that had escaped slavery out of Egypt and were traveling back with uncertainty to a land that God had promised them that they had not seen for over 400 years. Not only that, but they were trespassers in a lot of people's mind. They were traveling through these lands and they're uh, of fighting, fierce fighting people, and they were traveling with women and children and animals and all their possessions. This wasn't a battle where they were coming in trying to conquer. This is a battle for survival and for hope and a future. At this point, I would ask you this. Think about the attacks in your life. It can be overwhelming, leading you to have no hope in your life. And attacks like this, not the physical attacks, but attacks that we have come at the worst time. I've heard people say this, and it's entirely wrong. They say something like this, God doesn't allow things to happen that are more than you can bear. Um, this is simply not true. A better way to say it is this, God will allow things to happen in your life that you're not ready for, that are bigger than you, for which you're not equipped. Why? Because he wants you to admit that you can't do it on your own. And he wants you to get to the place where the only option is to depend on you. Not because he's punishing you, because he'll go to the rate of a link to get a relationship with you in that. So here we are, Israel's way out man, under-resourced. So what do they do? What can they do? 
when all hope is lost, what do we do? Now, I love studying uh, war strategies, Carthage against Rome, or the French longbows against the French. I've always, I mean, the, the English longbows against the French. I love studying them, but this is totally different. This is not a war strategy that you're ever going to see uh, that's going to be victorious in the history that we see. So let's look at the second thing, the strategy. So Moses said to uh, Joshua in verse 9, Choose for us men and go out and fight Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Whenever Moses held his hand up, Israel prevailed. Whenever he let his Lord his hand, uh, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary, so they took a stone and they put it under him, and he sat on it. While Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and one on the other, so his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua overwhelmed out of Amalek with his people with the sword. Now this battle obviously is an unusual one. It says as long as Moses had his hands up with the rod of God in his hand, they were winning. When his hand lowered, they were losing. And his arms got tired, obviously. So they had to be supported by his brother Aaron and another guy named Hur. And Joshua was to lead the battle down there on the field, but would quickly know, even though he was leading the battle, he wasn't in command. See, the strange way that the battle was won left no doubt who was responsible for the victory. Only the rod of God was held up high when Israelites prevailed. The battle was not won through military might or superior battle plans or wisdom. It was won by the power of God. And the hands and rod of Moses are held up in the same way that soldiers hold their flags up at the time of battle. Uh, flags are said to be the insignia of their country, and soldiers are saying to move under the direction of that banner. And in the Bible, there's a, there's a lot of things you can use a symbol of a banner or a rod, and all those are all one and the same. It's kind of like the idea of in the Star Spangled Banner, uh, when the rockets red glare, the bomb bursting air gave proof that the flag was still there. As long as they knew the flag was there, they knew we were still winning. And this is the same thing that we have here, which brings us to the last point. The banner. Verse 14 says, The Lord said to Moses, Write this as a memorial in the book and recite it in the ears of Joshua, that I will blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar, called the name of it, The Lord is my banner. You know, she didn't say, The rod is my banner, the Lord is my banner. So here, at sunset, after a long day of battle, Israel defeated the Amalekites, and immediately after, Moses builds an altar, and he calls it Jehovah Nisi. The Lord is my banner. The name Jehovah Nisi only appears once in the Bible. See, Moses, after Israel defeated him, uh, built this altar and named it Jehovah Nisi. But here's the thing. Banners and rods and flags are just symbols. This is not a time to get superstitious about Moses or that magic rod that he has because that's not it at all. It wasn't the rod that held the power. It was a representation of God's power, a representation that God was with his people as their defender and their protector. Very few of this, us in this room at this point, probably none of us, are fighting physical battles, meaning we're not fitting, fighting a physical war with physical weapons in some foreign land. Our battles and our wars are emotional, mental, 
and most of the time spiritual, whether we realize it or not. And sometimes we forget that. But life has a way of reminding us of those battles. See, we face Amalek on a daily basis. Ephesians 6, 12 says this. Listen to this. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood or against the rulers, against uh, authorities, against cosmic power over this present darkness. We, uh, we have against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Let me translate that for you in normal English. We are attacked daily by people around us, by situations that we can't anticipate, by our own shortcomings, even demonic forces at times that are real in the world. The more you try to do the right thing, you're going to realize this, the more you try to do God's will, the more you will be attacked. And it is so hard. So get ready. It's going to be when you least expect it. It is going to be like the Amalekites coming out with guerrilla warfare and you're not prepared. As much as you think you are, you're not prepared. But God is. And he sees what you're going through. And he's saying, you're weak. But he's saying, I am not. He's saying, don't fight this on your own. You have people around you. You have a church community. You have me as God, your Father, the good Father that loves you, to utilize the resources that you have. And this is critical to your survival. Let me end with this. Think about this. Thousands of years after this story that we read today, God put another banner on a hill, a symbol, in the form of a cross. And on that wooden post, he allowed his son to be executed there. A sign of how bad we are, but far more than that. A sign of how deeply he loves us. Do you believe that? Will you look to the cross today and stop looking at yourself for success or for to try, to try to get through the things that you're going through? Will you accept the gift that God has given his son on behalf of you to die a death that he didn't deserve, but you did? Will you rest in the fact that Jesus made himself totally defenseless to defend people like you and me? Would you acknowledge that you're completely weak and powerless outside of God being your defender and your protector, the Jehovah Nisi that he is? Would you put yourself, last question, would you put yourself in little Henry's place that was just baptized today and realize that as much as you think you're not, that you're just as powerless and you're just as weak and defenseless as he is? Let's contemplate that as we come to communion today. Let's pray. Father God, thank you uh, for the folks in this room. Thank you that had, they have come to celebrate with us. Uh, may we all uh, acknowledge our weakness, uh, or as much as we all think we just have it all together at times, or that life is just based on how good of a decision maker we are. Would you break us of that? Would you really help us to see a more divine reality that we are weak, and in our weakness, you are our strength? And that's the only way we are going to be in any way successful in navigating situations and problems and the things that come our way. We are broken. We are messed up. Every one of us. Help us to admit that. Help us to cling to your grace. And most of all, we thank you for Jesus' death on the cross. And it's his, his name I pray. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed today's sermon. We want to remind our listeners that our doors are always open at Chelsea Presbyterian Church, and we invite all our listeners to join us for worship. You can visit us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at Chelsea Middle School. 
To hear more of our sermons from our church or for more information, you can find us online at www.chelseapres.org or check us out on Facebook.